The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen, church. Let's take our Bibles today and find our place in Acts chapter number 26. Acts chapter number 26. Thank you for that good music and the celebration singers and praise the Lord. Thank you, Jamie, for leading us. By the way, I don't know if you saw in your bulletin, but next Sunday afternoon, have the um, baby shower for uh, Jamie and Brittany here in the fellowship hall. So please make your plans to be here for that. I'm thankful for his good ministry here. Acts chapter number 6. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a good journey through this book. And uh, we started, um, of course, last year and worked our way through. And um, today, I just want to kind of bring your attention to a small passage here in Acts chapter number 26. Uh, Just to bring you up today, of course, the Apostle Paul has been on his journey and uh, he's been in prison and in chains and finds himself between uh, before a guy named Felix and a guy named Festus. And here in this chapter, he will uh, present himself before King Agrippa. And uh, this past week, I was reading just a little bit uh, a story about an old minister. His name was Warren Wearsby. Maybe some of y'all have heard of him. And uh, Wearsby was telling this story, and he said that uh, years ago, he was asked to serve on jury duty. And so he, uh, he went down, and as he uh, went in and sat down there, the uh, lawyers began to question those that would be serving on the jury and, you know, accepting some and uh, declining others. And they came to Warren Wearsby, and the attorney said, Reverend Wearsby, do you believe that uh, you can trust a man's word who has served time in prison? And Reverend Wearsby, in his classic way that he is, he said to the uh, attorney, he said, well, sir, it depends upon the person and why they were in prison. And the attorney said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, the Apostle Paul served time in prison, and I trust his word above all. He said the Lord Jesus Christ was in bonds and went to the cross, and the Apostle Peter and many of the disciples served time in prison. And before he could even get going on his uh, pulpit sermon, the attorney said, you're dismissed. (laughs) Note to self, that's an easy way to get out of jury duty. I'll just preach a sermon if they ask me to come. Now, you know, when you think about a statement like that, do you trust the word of a man or a woman who has been in prison? It really does matter for why they were put in prison. And it matters whether they were put in prison justly or, as we know all too well, there are people uh, both here locally and around the world who have been placed in prison for long stints of times unjustly. And their word must come out and it speaks to us a bit of truth. And especially when somebody has been in prison for the word of the living God, and the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Amen? And so when we find our place here today, I think that we see a prisoner's defense from the Apostle Paul and we can learn to trust His Word for what it says to us today. So would you join me as we read along here? Let me just kind of break this text up in a couple of parts. Where First of all, notice here in verse number 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul finds himself in the presence of King Agrippa. And, and if you were to back up, we don't have time, but if you read the end of chapter number 25, you will find that King Agrippa comes into this place with great pomp and circumstance and uh, a, a regal scene in which 
all of these commanders and kings and everybody shows up and here comes the Apostle Paul who has been beaten and battered and he is in chains. And Look at verse number 1. Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. Then the Apostle Paul stretched out his hand and proceeded to make his defense. And I'm not sure if today we'll have time to show all of the intricacies of this chapter, but you'll notice that later on in this same chapter, the Apostle Paul giving the gospel to King Agrippa, he says that I wish you were a believer like me except for these chains. And so what we understand is the Apostle Paul lifts his hands up to make his defense. And isn't it wonderful that even though he is in physical chains, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has broken the sins of chains uh, of darkness in our lives and so he speaks on behalf of the Lord Jesus look at verse number two look at the kindness of the apostle Paul in regard to all the things which I am accused of by the Jews I consider myself fortunate King Agrippa that I am about to make my defense before you today, especially because you are an expert in all the customs and the questions among the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. You know, the Apostle Paul is standing there before King Agrippa, and though he was not a Jew himself, he was an expert in all things Jewish law considered. He was an expert in the Torah. He knew what was going on in the life and the times of the Apostle Paul. And Paul says to him, listen, I know that you're versed in these things, and I ask that you would listen to me patiently. Of course, we'll find later in this chapter that though King Agrippa listens patiently, Festus does not listen and breaks in and says to Paul, you're insane. But you notice here in this text, the Apostle Paul sets the context for us by being kind, by being gracious, even though he's in chains, even though he's been put in prison unjustly, he still has the confidence of the truthfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he comes before Agrippa and he says, listen, here is my defense. And so here's the first thing I would say to you today from verse 4 to verse number 11. The Apostle Paul says this, I was defending a tradition instead of embracing the promise of the gospel. Let me pause for a moment and say that again. The Apostle Paul comes along and here he is. Can't you see him? He's hurt. He's probably uh, malnutrition. He is, he, 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 his life has been taken here and there, put in prison. And now he's standing before King Agrippa, dirty and nasty and smelling. And he's got these chains on his hand. And all of these regal people walk into the room. And the king and Bernice and all of these people are there. And the condensation and the, and the, and the judgment that pours over their own mind of this man and the Apostle Paul raises his voice with his own heart in kindness and grace and mercy and he begins to tell his testimony and he says to King Agrippa what I want you to know is that I was too busy defending my own tradition instead of embracing the promise of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and I think that there's probably some religious people in this room and you've spent a lifetime defending your own tradition, defending some prayer that you said long ago, but hasn't had a life change. 
you were baptized in somebody's water, you've signed a card, you've been a member of this church for a long time, you grew up in church, you're very religious, and you defend that tradition to the hill, but the truth of the matter is you really don't have life change. You have never embraced the promise of Jesus Christ, whereby you are living for Him and living in Him every single day of your life as Him, as the King of your life, where you have laid down your life in repentance, turned to Jesus Christ by faith, and made Him the Lord of your life. You are like the Apostle Paul was in his old days. You are holding on and holding out for a tradition. I'm Baptist, therefore I'll go to heaven. I've been baptized, therefore I'll go to heaven. I've said a prayer. I've joined a church. I've done good deeds. I've done all of these wonderful things that are in a religious tradition. And yet the Apostle Paul says, while holding on to my traditions, I did not embrace the promise of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and give my heart and my life and my soul over to Him. And I want to say to all of us today, if you're in this room and you're religious but lost, you know everything there is to know about the Bible, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You fancy yourself a good person, but you've never truly seen yourself as a sinner condemned to hell and put all of your trust in Jesus. I want to encourage you today. Don't hold on to religious traditions. Embrace the promise of Jesus. Look back down at the text and let me show you how I derived that point today from verse number 4. And you'll find dotted throughout chapter number 26 in English it's the word so. And that will give you the breaks here in the passage. He says, so then all the Jews know my manner of life from my youth up which is from the beginning, was spent among my own nation at Jerusalem since they have known about me for a long time. If they are willing to testify, and this is what they would tell you about the Apostle Paul, that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion. See, the Apostle Paul says, according to the Judaistic religion, I, I was among that most religious sect. I was in church every week, and I went to Sunday school, and I have all the merit badges, and I grew up in GAs and RAs. And I sang in the choir, and I've done all these kinds of things. I am the most strictest religionist there is. And now I'm standing on trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. The promise to which our twelve tribes hope to attain and that earnestly serve God night and day for this hope. O King, I am being accused by the Jews. Do you see what the Apostle Paul is saying? He's saying, listen, I grew up as a Jew. I read the Torah. I was sold out to being religious. And all of the religious scriptures that I read said there will come a day when a Messiah will come and He will die for the sins of the world and be raised to life again. And His name is Jesus Christ. But instead of embracing Him, I hold on to my religion. What about you? There's some of you in here today that are religious but lost and you are so scared and fearful of what the people around you would think if you got up at the end of this service as a 60-year-old person, walked down here and admitted to the Lord and to the church that you have lived all your life either in a lie or befooled and that you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. And you'd rather die holding on to a tradition 
than live eternally embracing the promise of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now you say, oh, Pastor Steve, you're just, you're, you're, you're being using hyperbole. Don't believe my word. I believe that it was the word of Billy Graham that said to a, another pastor that 85% of the people sitting in the pews on Sunday are lost. You don't believe the words of Billy Graham? Maybe you should believe the words of somebody like this that said, many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? And in your name do many wonderful works. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. My dear friends, I, I say to you, don't be like the Apostle Paul was in his former life where you embrace religion, you embrace all of these trappings and what you've grown up with, but secretly in your heart you hold on to your sin, you hold on to your own self, and you refuse to lay that down and come and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Don't leave here today unless you know for sure that your confidence and faith is in Jesus alone. Let me turn that for a moment to our believing body. You know, I know there's some Christians in this room and you've been Christian for a long time and you're holding on to the trappings of religion. You're holding on to the things that you think are so important and Jesus comes along and says, listen, all of that stuff is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that men and women and boys and girls in the greater Raleigh area have a place to come where they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And whether they look like you, act like you, have your preferences, want what you want or not what you want, the most important thing in the world is not that they hold on to the tradition that you like, but that they embrace the Savior that your Scripture tell us about whether it looks like your tradition or not look at what the apostle Paul says as we finish that point up look at verse number 9 you'll see the so there again he, he heaps it on he says not only was I embracing that tradition instead of embracing the promise of the gospel he says I went even further I, I was not just a strict Pharisee I went on to persecute the people that the Pharisees didn't like he said so then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth and this is just what I did in Jerusalem not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I was punished, and as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities." Do you see how messed up the Apostle Paul was early on? He grew up having the Hebrew Scriptures that prophesied about the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus, who would save us out of our sins. But he grew up so ingrained in that religion that when the promise finally manifested itself and the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world and he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross and three days later he rose again and he said, I'm the Messiah, believe on me. It was so ingrained in his own tradition that he, received, he refused to receive the Messiah. And furthermore, he went on to persecute those who did. I just want to ask you something. Is there anything in your life right now whereby the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart 
maybe as an unbeliever or maybe in this room today as a believer. But God is tapping at your heart and He's saying, hey, you hear what He's saying? You hear this story? You hear about how the Apostle Paul uh, was holding on to tradition instead of embracing the truth of Scripture? You see how He is doing that? Here's an area in your life where you're holding out and holding on and it's causing you to be mean and bitter and grumpy and there's a coldness in your soul because you're holding on to a religious tradition so hardly what I want you to do is receive and see with your eyes that Jesus is greater than your tradition, that Jesus is all that really matters. Embrace Him in that area of your life. Let go of that sin. Let go of that tradition and believe and receive Jesus. Maybe there's a believer in the room today and you'd look into your own life and say, I'm holding on to this that truly is not as important as people coming to faith in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask you right now, would you let that go? Would you pray right where you are, just silently, and say, Lord, I'm going to give that up. Whatever that is, whatever God's bringing to your heart and your mind right now, will you just let go of that with your hands, with your heart, with your mind, and say... I want to believe and receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I want to follow Him. You know what Jesus told a group of Pharisees one day? He said, you make the Bible of none effect because of your own traditions. Man, doesn't that grieve you as a believer? I wonder what we're like in our own church here. Hey, listen, we we got to do work on the outside. we got to do work on the inside. So we're going to help the people on the outside, but we need to do some heart surgery as well. I wonder if Jesus might speak to us today and say, Hey, church, hey, Emmanuel, you that are sitting here, I'm not able to work on the hearts and lives of unbelievers right now because you're stopping it with your own traditions. You, you come to service, and rather than praying for the lost, you're critical and gossiping. Rather than living every day, embracing the Word of God, and seeking to share and to love and to be a beacon to your community, you're, you're so introverted and turned in on yourself. And I want to do a great work in your community and in your life and in your church and with the unbelievers that are around, but you're stopping it because you're stuck in a tradition instead of embracing Jesus. Just let that sit in your soul today. Think about it. Meditate on it. And as the Lord works in your heart this week and brings those things to the surface of your mind, would you let go of certain things and follow Jesus. I would say secondly, the Apostle Paul says this from verse 12 to verse number 18. The Apostle Paul says, I received my sight from the Lord that I might lead others out of darkness. Look at what he says in verse 12 to 18. There's the word so again. While so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. Look what he says here. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun and shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against these goads. That is, there's 
something that's pushing against you. There's something that's convicting and it's saying, it's hard for you to push back against this. And I said, who are you, the Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the domain of the Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. You know what the Apostle Paul is saying? He's saying to us today and before Agrippa as he makes his defense, he was saying, Christ opened my eyes so that I could lead others out of darkness. There's another portion in the book of Acts where he retells his story of the Damascus Road experience. Isn't that right? And the Bible says that his eyes were blinded, that there were scales put on his eyes, and they took him into the next village, and Ananias comes out, and God says to Ananias, I want you to go tell him, Brother Saul, you're going to receive your sight and be a witness. And Ananias starts to go, and then he says, Lord, are you sure? Because that dude kills people. It's in the Greek, trust me, all right? God says, go tell him. And he goes and talks to him, and the Bible says the scales fall from his eyes. Listen here. The Lord saved Paul and gave him sight so that he could lead other people out of darkness. Now, just why do you think Jesus saved you? Well, I would say he saved you for his own glory, and he saved you for your own good, but he also saved you so that you could go out of this place and lead other people who are living in darkness to the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said of the Pharisees, He said, you're the blind leading the blind. And my fear is that we would leave out of here and we would not be redeemed by the grace of God and have the scales fall from our eyes. And this whole world is filled with people that are the blind leading the blind. Everybody is shouting into our ears in society, follow me, no, follow me, follow this, follow that. Everybody has a way of redemption. And all of the way of redemption that the world offers is nothing but the blind leading the blind. My dear friend, I tell you today that if you leave here and you listen to the voice of money, you will get to the end of your life and all that you have accrued will not follow you in the grave and you'll die a pauper spiritually. I tell you that if you leave here today, then you think that you'll find fulfillment and grace and joy in the relationships of another human being, you will put a pressure upon another person they can't possibly feel and you'll have a void in your life all your days because the only one who can fill the void of our life is the person of Jesus Christ. You cannot fill the void with anyone but Him. And the voices of the world are calling out to us and you hear them in relationships, in money, in material things, in houses, in everything. Come to me, there's the water of life. And when you get there, it is nothing but an empty well with a few drops at the bottom. Jesus said to the lady at the well, drink of the water that I give you, and I will give you rivers of living water springing up from the center of your life, your belly that never runs dry. 
The Apostle Paul said, God saved me and gave me sight that I might lead others people who are in darkness to the light of the Lord Jesus. How are you doing with that? Are you sharing the light of the good news of Jesus with unbelievers? Are you inviting them to church? Are you giving your testimony? Are you sharing? Are you engaging in conversation? Are you looking in your radar, in your life, for opportunities to share with people who are in darkness the light of Jesus? Well, let me give you just a couple more points and we'll finish for today. From verse number 19 down through verse number 23, the Apostle Paul would say to us, You have me on trial for simply being obedient to the heavenly vision. Now look, notice the irony here in the verse. Verse number 19, So King Agrippa, I did not prove to be disobedient to the heavenly vision, but I kept on declaring both to those on the Damascus Road first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the regions of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God performing deeds appropriate for repentance. For this reason, some of the Jews seized me in the temple. Why? Because he was giving the gospel to everybody. And they tried to put me to death. So having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying to small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Christ was to suffer, and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim the light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Notice what happens in verse number 24. I'll come back and talk about this for a minute. Notice what happens in verse number 24. While Paul was saying this in defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Isn't it interesting at the beginning of the chapter, what was the Apostle Paul's request? Hey, King Agrippa, would you listen to me with patience? Agrippa is listening with patience. Festus jumps to his feet. And as soon as the Apostle Paul begins talking about a gospel religion in Christ that brings both Jews and Gentiles, black and white, red and yellow, all people, all across the world, all incomes, no matter where you are, to be centered in Jesus Christ, as soon as he brings that kind of message, Festus says, you're out of your mind. Hmm. Can you recall when Jesus is walking the earth in the Gospels and He begins giving the Gospel not only to the Jews but to the Gentiles and He begins healing those who are not of the Jewish sect that they say to Him at the end of Mark 4 or chapter 5, I believe it is, you're insane. We live in a world that's fractured, don't we? We live in a world where nobody will give anybody else a hearing, where we fight, where we're angry, where there's hatred and there's murder that goes along and people hold all, the, and all these various opinions and there's, there's a fracture, there's, a, there's a, a, a tearing of our nations and of our families and of even of our own souls. We live in a world, you can see it at no clearer time in history than right now. You can see the divide in people's own hearts. Why do we stand upon the word of the living God? Because Jesus comes along and He says, in me, in my sacrifice, I break down the middle wall of partition and I bring all people of all different backgrounds together through my crucifixion and resurrection. 
Every culture maintains its own culture and at the same time comes together and creates the culture of the church of God through Jesus Christ Himself. There is no religion in all the world that is more powerful than the Christian religion because we come through the cross of Jesus, through forgiveness of sins and resurrection power, not only to save our souls, but to save the entire world. That's being obedient to the heavenly vision. I'm going to pause for just a moment and say this. So I'm preaching in my context to our people here. Brothers and sisters, I, I want you to understand that when we get to heaven, there will be believers from every tribe and every tongue and every kindred and every nation. And worship will not look like you want it to. It'll look like the sun wants it to. And if that's what's going to happen when we get to heaven, don't you think it'd be good for us to spend another 67 years trying to make that happen in this room? The power of the gospel is to save the human soul. When we leave here today, I want you to understand the Apostle Paul, being obedient to the heavenly vision, shared the gospel with every person, not just the people he wanted to. When you leave here today, God wants us to share the gospel with every person, regardless of background, regardless of where they come from, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they can do for you. We want to be the kind of people that shine the light of Jesus Christ to every single human being. Amen? That would have been a good place to say amen. Let me just give you this last point we'll finish for today. That's all right. Maybe when you don't say amen, you're saying, oh me. And maybe the Lord will do a work in all of our hearts today. From verse 24 to verse number 29, I believe that uh, we, could see some, we could say something like this. The man in chains is the most sane man in the room. The man in chains is the most sane man in the room. Look at 24 through 29 again. While Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice to Paul, You're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. But I utter words of sober, of real truth. For the king knows about these Matters. You see, now he's turned his attention back to Agrippa because Agrippa knows that what Paul has said about the Old Testament Scriptures is right, that there is a promise of the resurrection of the Messiah and the Apostle Paul has been being true to the Lord Jesus Christ. For the king knows about these matters and I speak to him also with confidence since I am persuaded that none of these things escape his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa replied to Paul, Now you might have something that says, uh, In a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian, or um, do you, you know, with, uh, with such few words do you persuade me to become a Christian. He, he's not necessarily saying, I'm on the borderline of being a Christian. It's almost a sarcastic. He's saying, listen, I've been embracing my tradition all these many years, and you feel like you're going to stand up and deliver a speech, and I'm going to believe? King Agrippa, do you believe? 
Agrippa replies in verse 28, In a short time will you persuade me to become a Christian? And Paul says, I would wish to God that whether in a short or a long time, not only you but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am except these chains. Can you, can you believe the word of somebody that's been put in prison? Yeah, you can believe the word of the Apostle Paul. I would say to you today, he's the most sane man in that room. You, you have Festus here who is angry and, and lashing out and violent toward. You have King Agrippa who wants to stay in his own traditions. And here you have one who is wise and humble and presenting the truth of the word of the living God. How do we apply it today? Two ways. I say to you today, if you're in this room and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you find yourself like Agrippa where you're holding on to that tradition and who are you, preacher? Who are you with the Word in a few minutes to change? I know the way I grew up. I was taught this. My parents taught me that. I grew up being a good person. If you're a good person, if you just live a good life, then you'll go to heaven. All religions are basically the same. Be good, don't be bad. And here you are trying to tell me that all that I've learned and all of that is not the way. Yes. I'm speaking to you the same words of Scripture. If you have been taught any other way to heaven than Jesus Christ alone, you've been taught the wrong way. And I come to your heart right now pleading with you on behalf of the Spirit of God, give up and believe in Jesus. If you don't, you'll die in your sins and go into a Christless eternity. And you'll wish for all eternity that on this day you would have believed in Jesus. I say to all of our believing people here today, the members of this church, did you come here today in lethargy? Did you come here out of duty? Did you come here to be critical? Did you come here to see who was here and who wasn't here? Did you come here to fulfill a religious obligation? Or has the Lord Jesus Christ so gripped your heart with the power of the gospel and His resurrection that you came here because you love Jesus and you want to worship Him and you want to leave here today? Something deep inside you says, I can't wait to leave here today. This week I want to be more open to sharing what Jesus has done in my life with unbelievers who are sitting in darkness. If that's not burning in your soul right now, why don't you just ask yourself why not? And rather than just leaving it there, when we pray in a moment, why don't you just call out to the Lord and say, I need that. That's why you saved Paul. That's why you saved me. You've given yourself glory. You've redeemed me from hell and my own life. And there are other people in this city who need this truth. Yeah, but the, the community's heard it before. Keep going. And as you don't understand, my friends have heard that before. My, my coworkers have heard it before. I'm telling you, if you had the cure to cancer, even if somebody kept pushing you away, you'd go back and go back and go back and go back because you would understand the devastating power of the disease. And sin is a disease that is so far more eternally impactful than cancer. So if you have the cure... Go give it to somebody. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for a moment?
Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Brothers and sisters, this is an opportunity for you to pray. Right where you are, nobody's looking around. I'm not sure what your week looked like, but what I know is right now, just in this next couple of minutes, you can pray, you can talk with God. For my believing friends, you're here today. Maybe there's an area of your life. You say, man, I've been holding on to that tradition. I need to let it go and embrace Jesus. Right? Why don't you just do that right now? They say, man, I've not been as faithful to the gospel message and telling people I, God's not judging you. He loves you. Why don't you just hand that over to Him right now? I, I, even this week, I had to say, Lord, help me. Help me to be more cognizant of the people that are around me that are lost. Why don't you join me this week in that? Just pray that right now. Lord, help me. Help me. If you're in this room today, and maybe this is the first time or the 50th time you've heard a gospel presentation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and died on a cross was buried and rose again on the third day. And for any human being, they'll put their faith and confidence in Jesus Christ alone. They can have eternal life. Have your sins washed away and been given a new heart. Maybe you've been hearing that since a child, but today is the first time. The first time you feel something in your heart. You, you know God is moving and turning and twisting that knife on the inside right where you are right now in your own words. Just give up. And ask Jesus to save you. To have mercy on you. Tell Him right now that you'll give, you, give Him the rest of your life. In just a moment, we'll stand and sing a hymn of response together. My dear friends, in this church, you're more than welcome as we sing to come down and pray on these steps. More than welcome to do that. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, that's, that's unusual for me. I, I'm not sure about that. But what you're saying is striking truth in my heart. And I want Jesus to be my Lord right where you are. Just pray. Give up and pray. Say, Lord, I give you my life. I need you. Have mercy on me. You can do that right where you are. Before you leave this building today, would you come and see me and talk to me? We want to walk with you. We want to help you. We want to show you how to live for Jesus the rest of your life. It'll be the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.